Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, pods of killer whales are attacking yachts off Portugal, we have an eyewitness account, and robotic ships. They're on the way in the very near future. There have been alarming accounts this year of pods of orcas attacking yachts off the coast of Spain and Portugal. More than 100 such incidents have been reported this year and earlier this month two yachts were sunk in the attacks. Biologists are at a loss to explain why whales have suddenly started to attack these boats but each incident is similar. The pod quickly approached the yacht and one then grabs the rudder and pushes the boat forward or apparently tries to turn it around. A number of rudders have been pulled off and a number of boats badly damaged, but there have been no fatalities. It's an almost unbelievable development and there are dozens of film clips on Facebook and elsewhere on the internet to show the attacks. Franz van Gorkum's boat was attacked over the summer while en route from Holland down to the Canary Islands off the coast of Portugal. And from his home in Holland this week, he told me what happened. There have always been orcas along the coast because they're uh, hunting for tuna. And uh, for some reason, uh, over the last three years, they have been attacking boats, uh, in particular sailboats. And nobody knows why. Um, There is a group of... Um, marine biologists studying uh, the situation and uh, they have um, come up with all kinds of uh, recommendations uh, mainly aimed to protect the uh, the orcas there's there's not much knowledge about uh, how to protect yourself and your boat okay tell me Um, about your experience what happened to you we came from Holland and our plan was to um, go to Spain, then follow the coast down to the Canary Islands and cross the Atlantic in December. What, we, what size was your had, boat? What, what type of yacht yeah, was, was yours? 47 feet catamaran. Very large boat. Uh, yeah, a Fontaine Peugeot 47. It's a boat that weighs about 19 tons when you have uh, all your stuff installed on it. And so that's, that's quite heavy as well. But it still has uh, pretty good sailing characteristics. We took it um, directly from Holland to uh, uh, Bretagne and then from Bretagne in, in one leg to uh, the northern coast of Spain to Gijón. In the Bay of Biscay, we already met some orcas. About uh, it was a pot of about ten orcas, but uh, they were not really interested uh, in us, so they they left us alone. Uh, but it was quite impressive, actually. An, an orca is a very large animal. It is. Yeah, it's a quite impressive animal. It almost has no enemies. I I think they're. They're not even afraid to um, to meet with the great white uh, shark. And they are normally not very aggressive, except when they're hunting, of course. They're about seven to eight meters long, and they weigh 
between 7,000 and 8,000 kilograms when they are um, grown up. You saw part of these in the Bay of Biscay, just off France, but yeah. they, they weren't yeah, interested they were in about, Yeah, there were about uh, 10 of them. First, we thought they were uh, dolphins, but then we we got closer to them and <laughs> and they were definitely huge animals. Yeah, it, it was very impressive, but we they were not interested uh, in us or in uh, in our boat, so we watched them. Fortunately, nothing happened. But we, of course, we were aware of the the stories. We we were prepared in in a sense that uh, we had read the articles from the uh, Spanish marine biologists, and uh, telling you that uh, when you encounter. Uh, when you have an encounter with orcas, then you should switch off the engine, lower your sails, and um, and do nothing basically. Which is which is good for the orcas, but not very good for your boat. I can tell you. Anyway, after after that, we we started following the coast around uh, A Coruña, and then uh, further south. Uh, down to to Portugal, we spent quite a lot of time um, in the the north uh, western rias of of Spain. Um, it, it's a favorite place for for people to visit. There are, are lots of marinas there and bays to explore. That's correct. Yes, and actually, we didn't see any orcas uh, when we were there. But at the moment, there is quite a lot of orca activity in that area. Um, just recently, I think last week and the week before, um, two sailboats of about 10 meters long were attacked by orcas and they actually uh, sank. So, and that was a first for me because normally they just damage your, your rudder and then they go ahead um, to another boat. but. But uh, this time, they um, I think it was a French boat, one of them, they damaged the boats uh, significantly and they, um, the, the people had to be evacuated. So then and, when, when uh, you were down off Portugal, what was your encounter with them when they yeah. attacked or went, went at your boat? We were on our, our way from Peniche in Portugal to Cascais near near Lisbon, we suddenly we we just um, put on one engine because um, because of the wind, and we were still sailing, but uh, with with one engine on, so we were motor sailing, and then suddenly we saw three orcas. They immediately uh, went for for the rudders actually. So one of them stayed uh, alongside the boat, looking at us, <laughs> and the other two they bumped into the rudders and they they completely destroyed one rudder and the other rudder was significantly uh, damaged. It and must also have been, because must have been really frightening. Yeah, it it was, but you know, it all took not more than fifteen minutes. So. Um, I mean, they were gone before we could be really terrified. Actually, you know, it, it all went very quickly. 
they they actually turned the boat around about 180 degrees. Yeah, and you can imagine it, it's a 19 tons catamaran. And uh, the, the two animals that bumped into the rudders, they turned the boat around completely. Which they, so they, they took one each. Yeah, yeah. And they immediately went for the rudders. Huh? They, I mean, that's the first thing they, uh, they touched, uh, which is very strange. <laughs> I mean, there are all kinds of uh, theories uh, about why they're doing that. And of course, a rudder looks like a, a fin. Um, but yeah, we, we have no idea why they're focused on, on the rudders uh, mainly. One one theory um, I read was that it was uh, some, if you could call them, teenage type orcas who were you kind of playing a game with a boat, pushing it along a little bit. Well, we um, we didn't have the impression that there were young orcas. We we thought they they were uh, more like adult orcas. Um, but there is a theory that. Um, the adults are training the, the young ones uh, in this way, but we, we have noticed that, actually. How, um, how did you get out of that situation? You Were they yeah. rudderless? Well, um, a couple of days before, we read an article on, on one of the Facebook pages that, um, um, that's called Orca Attack Reporting, I think. And we read an article um, by someone who uh, was attacked, and he used a little bit of uh, diesel fuel. He threw it overboard, and and that made them go away. So, so we just two days before it happened, we um, had bought a, a jerry can with five liters of diesel just to be be able to uh, throw some, something overboard. And, and actually, that's what we used. Uh, my wife, um, I think she um, threw about two or three liters of diesel overboard. And and that's actually, we, we think that that made them go away. We saw them swimming north and about 10 minutes later, uh, there was another Dutch yacht behind us. And they were attacked probably by the same port. And their rudder was also destroyed. So in a way, we were lucky because we because a catamaran has two engines. And we could still steer the boat by using uh, differential power by using the engines. Um, although it it was it was difficult because the the rudders of course they they were not in in line they were not uh, in neutral position so I had to figure out what the best way was to to move in a in a straight line and then about, in about five hours we managed to um, to go to Cascais to the Bay of Cascais and that's where we anchored. And uh, of course, we tried to call the Coast Guard and we tried to call um, the Policia Maritima by using VHF uh, 16, but nobody answered. 
Okay. So finally, I used my uh, mobile phone, my cell phone, to call the police in Portugal, and they relayed us to the uh, Policia Maritima. But uh, they told us that um, they had no boat in the area, so uh, and they were asking us whether we could still manage to continue. And, and we could, of course, uh, with the differential power. The the emergency channel was of no use. Oh, that's um, a, that's a, in itself is really worrying. Uh, that I I found that quite strange actually, um, because it it could have been worse. And two weeks ago there were two sailboats uh, attacked and and they sank. I mean you. <laughs> You expect that uh, if you if, if you use VHF uh, 16 and you send out an emergency call that uh, they will react, but they didn't. What's your yacht called and where is she now? We actually sold the boat, and it's not a lucky boat. I I, I can tell you because she was in Corsica when the hurricane hit on uh, August 18. And she lost her mast and the hardtop and all the solar panels. And she's now, by the, the next owner is now bringing her back to Portugal where she's going to be repaired. If somebody um, is sailing down around that, that place, do you have any advice for them? I would certainly bring a jerry can with diesel because that, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, that is what helped us. I don't know about pingers. You read a lot about pingers, but uh, we we uh, didn't have them, and I'm not sure that they're of any use. Um, there are all kinds of stories about uh, staying off the coast and uh, or staying close by the coast. We were about six nautical miles off the coast when it happened. It was about 20, 25 meters deep. It also happens 20 miles, 30 miles off the coast. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of lottery. I would certainly not switch off the engines and lower the sails because uh, then you are a sitting duck and they can do what, with you what, what they want. Uh, I also read that some people uh, put the engine, put the engine in reverse, and that helped sometimes. So maybe that's a good idea. And that was Franz van Gorkum telling me what happened to him this summer. There's a Facebook page called Orca Attack Reporting if you want to see some of these incidents, and it's something we'll follow up on this program next week. Dublin Castle this week saw the Commissioners for Irish Lights hosting a conference entitled Navigating to 2050. It brought all key players in the maritime sector together to discuss the safe and sustainable route to seafaring up to 2050. One of the keynote speakers was Anne Pletschke. She's Chief Vessel Operator for Ocean Infinity UK. That company is to the forefront of developing autonomous ships which operate without people on board. And Anne told me about Ocean Infinity and those ships. Ocean Infinity was founded in 2016 as a company that was involved with essentially subsea 
technology in exploring and transforming the oceans. So we've had a, a fleet of traditionally crewed vessels for a number of years now, but we are transitioning across to use more and more autonomous vessels. We've always had a fleet of small eight-meter autonomous vessels that are remotely controlled, but now we are expanding into much, much bigger remotely controlled tonnage with the idea that those vessels will be controlled from remote control centers dotted around the world and uh, engaged with worldwide offshore operations. What kind of jobs do those autonomous ships do at the moment? So we do a lot of seabed mapping, bathymetric survey, unexploded ordnance surveys, uh, surveys for, for wind farms, for example, prior to wind farm construction. Uh, we also do offshore energy inspection, repair and maintenance work. We have a, a large fleet of ROVs. What's an ROV? An ROV is a remotely operated vehicle. So essentially it's, it's a subsurface submarine which either has some very high-definition cameras or it can have manipulators. So you might remember the, the finding of endurance a few months ago in Antarctica. So that, was, that, that underwater vehicle was piloted by some Ocean Infinity personnel. Uh, so it can be everything from assisting offshore energy, construction and transition, all the way through to finding very exciting wrecks under the ice in Antarctica and pretty much everything in between. The eight-meter vessels you're talking about at the moment—they are they launched from a ship at sea, or do they go out from a port, or how do they start off? It can be either. So, we have launched them from larger vessels with a, a sort of form of davit, and also we can sail them from a quayside. So, actually, on Friday, I will be launching uh, from the quayside some of our eight-meter vessels just for some, some trials and familiarisation for, for some of our, our people newer to the company that haven't seen them in operation before. So it can be either method. But when they're at sea, they're not engaging with other ships, with people, with any other machinery. They're just kind of doing surveys, driving up and down. They're doing surveys, but they can also, of course, be transiting to a survey site. So they are essentially in use and interrogating other marine users in the way that any other marine craft will so they have a, a human controlling them so if you call up one of our autonomous vessels on VHF you will get an answer uh, they essentially look and seem like any other vessel apart from the fact they have no people on board they look like an ordinary ship with a bridge and everything like that our, our smaller vessels just look a little bit like a, a sort of small yellow craft uh, however the larger vessels we're, we're building vessels up to 86 meters in length and our larger vessels are coming out of our shipyards as classed conventional vessels that we are then making remote and unmanned okay. so okay. they do very much look and feel like a normal vessel you would not be able to tell from the outside that that ship is an autonomous vessel what do you think is the future for autonomous vessels I think autonomous vessels are going to be part of the maritime landscape. Obviously, we're here at the Navigating to 2050 conference. What the maritime landscape will look like in 2050, I think, will include autonomous vessels in, in a large section of some parts of the industry, especially by 2050. Do you think it's possible that large freighters, something that will go from, say, from British Isles down around to Asia, will become autonomous in years to come? 
I do think they will. Obviously, we are seeing some some very interesting industry projects, uh, both in Norway and Korea and Japan, in particular, looking at coastal and deep sea commercial cargo services, with the view to these being unmanned. And when I say unmanned and autonomous, that is still including. Human seafarers being in the loop in shore control centres. I do think that will probably transition more to using artificial intelligence in time, but certainly there is a role to play for autonomous shipping in the commercial cargo market for sure. You're taking delivery of one of the bigger autonomous vessels this week. Tell me something about her. It's a super exciting time for us in Ocean Infinity. I started two years ago this month when we just signed the contract for these 78-meter vessels. So taking delivery this week of our first one is a, a particular milestone for me as well as the company. So our, the vessel in question, she will be delivered this week in Vietnam and she will be sailing to Norway where we do the fit out of the exciting remote scope stuff. So this is, this is where we take a conventional vessel that has been designed for remote in mind but then we fit the remote clever bits of kit on board to, for us to be able to control certain functions of that ship remotely from a control centre and then gradually we have a series of technology releases to stepwise do this to the point where eventually these 78 metre ships will be able, able to navigate the world unmanned. Ronan Boyle is Director of e-Navigation with Irish Lights, the host of the conference, and I asked him how soon are we going to see robotic ships around the Irish coast? It's an interesting question. I think um, the timelines will vary. We'll certainly see small vessels used for particular purposes around uh, the coasts of Ireland and the UK within maybe the next five to ten years. Um, The more general application of autonomous shipping at the operational scale, at a wider scale, is probably a little bit further out. Because we expect, or the, the thought I had in my mind for autonomous shipping would be a tank or a big freighter loading up in Australia coming over here to Ireland taking a long time. Is, is that ever possible? I, I think it's certainly possible and uh, it, it may happen, but there are other activities that happen on board ship while it's underway, such as the ongoing maintenance of the ship, the ongoing maintenance of the engines. So that, those factors would have to be taken into account with the absence of a crew. So really with the ACE navigation services that Irish Lights provide and our sister agencies in the UK and Scotland, um, we're that backup in case of a, a loss of signal with the GPS. Is there a safety issue involved with having uh, robotic ships driving around the coast? Well, I think there will always be um, a kind of a risk assessment to be done and, and we're in the business of managing that risk. So the service that we provide um, will lower the risk to the mariner. Um, I think in the introductory phase where you have a mix of autonomous and human-powered or piloted vessels operating in the same space, I think that's when we'll need to pay particular attention to the risks. Meaning ship like that, a robotic ship coming into a port? Yes, I, I think that it's important that the ship Uh, the autonomous ship knows where it is from an absolute point of view on the globe um, using GPS but also knows where the other users of the sea space are so the the vessels that don't have an electronic signature the leisure vessels, the paddle borders uh, everything else on the water effectively and all the aids to navigation so it's able to recognise where it is in its own environment. Is the technology there for it to do that? The technology is developing Um, machine vision can certainly do a lot at the moment and uh, artificial intelligence 
intelligence can recognise a lot of the shapes, including aids to navigation shapes. Um, so those rules are, are currently there for all human seafarers, and we would seek to have the same rules applied to artificial intelligence and autonomous vessels in the future. When are we going to see, a, you call it an autonomous vessel, I call it a robotic ship off the Irish coast? It's, a, it's an interesting question. I, again, I would say maybe within, you will see certainly test beds developing within the next five years. Um, and on a more operational scale, I would say 10 years plus, but I could be wrong. But the important thing is that we're, we're prepared for that. And that's what we're doing in conjunction with IALA at the moment, the International Association of Lighthouse Authorities. We're setting the regulations that would apply to, mar, to maritime autonomous shipping. Could I ask you now to tell me about your conference here? We're in Dublin Castle, you have a two-day conference. We're talking about a, a wide variety of topics. Um, we're, we're kind of see ourselves at the moment as being at a, an important kind of a juncture in the evolution of shipping around the coast of Ireland, where we, we're on the cusp of, I think, a, a very large expansion in the offshore uh, renewable energy sector. Um, that's going to announce major changes for, for shipping around the coast because more of the maritime real estate is going to be put to a different use than it had been previously. Um, that has implications for the, the current users of that space and it also has safety and sustainable impl implications. So a lot of these discussions um, are in the early stages but it's really opportune to bring everyone together and, and have the conversations. And that was Ronan Boyle of Irish Lights. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rt.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, email seascapes at rt.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. Seascapes is presented and produced by Fergal Keane.